So a naked blonde walks into a bar with a poodle under one arm. What was it? And a two-foot salami under the other. You just bought yourself another Saturday. The bartender says, I guess you won't be You want another one? And the naked lady says... That's it. I've got you for the rest of your natural-born life. The Breakfast Club. Yeah, that's what we're talking about today. (laughs) That each one of us is a brain. And an athlete. And a basket case. A princess. And a criminal. First off, Breakfast Club. 1985. Like, classic, right? This is like a movie everybody knows. Yeah, I feel like everyone has either seen this or knows about this movie. Right, like, sure, like, maybe if you're 12 right now, you've never seen it, but you sure as hell know about it. Yeah. Somebody in your life has said, The Breakfast Club, or you've watched a movie and somebody's compared it to Breakfast Club or, or something. This is such like a... I don't even know. It's held the zeitgeist now for 20... Oh, geez, 28 years? Mm-hmm. You know, it's 2023. It's been 28 years since this movie. 38 years. Jesus. Yeah, I was going to say. Where am I? <laughs> 38 years since this movie came out. And people still talk about it. Yeah, I mean, it's referenced in so many things. Like, there have been TV shows that have done a parody episode of this yeah. particular movie. I mean, how the, the whole skit we just did of, like, you want another Saturday and stuff, they, they still use that. People still reference that. I mean, like, you mess with the bull. You get the horns. Right? Like Exactly. Yeah, it's it's insane how much this movie has withstood the test of time, mm-hmm. at least in conversation. Oh yeah. Alright. Do you you clearly didn't see this movie in theaters. No, you you were not even not. born yet. No. I, I was a year away from being born, so I didn't get to see this movie in theaters either. Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? Honestly, no. Yeah, Another one of those things where I feel like it just has always existed. I mean, clearly it has for my lifetime. Yeah. So I don't recall the exact time that I watched it for the first time, but I'm sure it was like in my teenage years and my parents were like, dude, you have to watch this. Yeah. <laughs> like this is required viewing. <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, knowing your dad, definitely. Yeah. He definitely was like, you have to watch this movie. Yeah. So I don't recall the first time, like, I ever saw this movie. Mm-hmm. I think it was when I was young, though. Like, before I was 13, probably. Yeah. I saw this movie. Before it would actually make sense to you. I, th- I think I got it, though. Yeah. Like, it's, it's not that difficult to understand what's happening. Kids are in trouble. They bond. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Right? But I think I remember watching this and really wondering what the hell was happening. Because although, like, I understood these kids were in trouble and they're becoming friends... I just couldn't understand why they were becoming friends because the whole concept of be put in a room for a long period of time with nothing else to do, eventually, whether you want to talk to the other person or not, you'll break down and begin a conversation. That concept was foreign to me. I was like, I don't know. It's still pretty foreign to me. I don't want to talk to people. I can definitely be in a room and not talk to people. I mean, can you though? Eight hours. You can't do anything else though. That's the crazy part. I, yeah. They're just sitting there. You know, that's like, so it was that idea that just blew my mind. Well, yeah. If you've never been put in that situation, you don't necessarily know how, like, why they would actually start conversing. Yeah. Because, you know, at the beginning, they seem hell bent on not conversing. They don't want anything to do with one another. No, they're not taking the, They're literally just staring into space. They don't yeah. want to get to know each other. So. But, 
they had no choice. Yeah. So, and the only reason I know I saw this movie before 13 is I was not a good kid in high school. <laughs> I was a teacher's worst nightmare. I was the, you know what, I'm going to get 100% on every test, but I'm going to disrupt your class. I'm going to talk back. I'm going to throw things. I'm never going to do my homework. And I swear to God, if you talk to me in a negative way, I'm going to give it right back. Like, I was that kid. I Terrible mean, it's, kid. it's really true. I've heard his stories. It yeah. is insane the amount of stuff that you did. Oh, so much. So much. But I've had Saturdays. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of Saturday detentions. And I remember the first Saturday detention I ever got. I went, oh, this is going to be easy. I've seen Breakfast Club. <laughs> we'll walk in. They're going to be like, just sit here and stare at the wall. And then the teachers are going to leave the room. Mm-hmm. And we're all going to talk and just do whatever the hell we want anyway. People are going to go get high. People are going to throw things, rip up books. like. But then my first Saturday attention was sit in the cafeteria, staring at the wall, while four teachers walk around to make sure you're not doing anything. Yeah. And I was like, this is bullshit. I could not imagine doing that. It was terrible. I, I was that kid that I literally got detention one time in my entire school career, and that was because Pathetic. I forgot my book too many times. Yeah. Well, I know you, and forgetting your book is something you would definitely do. Yeah. Often enough to get a detention. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how I know I knew that I knew this movie prior to that because it was. I remember thinking this is nothing like Breakfast Club. I was like, "Where's my Claire? Like, what? I'm, I don't get to like hang out with a pretty girl and like somehow end up together by the end of this." You've ruined my expectations. Right now, and now I know it's not it's like Breakfast Saturday Club. detention is nothing like that. This movie can't hold up. Now. And if it's you not try like to do life. it like that, mm-hmm. then you'll get an in-school suspension where you spend an entire school day in a classroom with a bunch of teachers staring at a wall. Yeah, but I don't at know least how it's that, different. At least that is during school hours. You're not having to do anything to do with school. Correct, but you're missing all of your classes, and you have to make up that work. Yeah. So. Couple days of those in a row, and all of a sudden you're really far behind. Not that it mattered to me; I never did my work anyway. But <laughs> so, just it's such a weird movie because it set an expectation that I don't think was realistic. But also, we're talking that was the year 2000, 15 years after this movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's what Saturdays were like in 1980s. I... And there was only like six people. I never went to a Saturday detention that had under like 25, 30 people. Seriously? Oh yeah, absolutely. What school did you go to? Jeez. A bad school. <laughs> so, like, the fact that there's only, what, five of them? Yeah. It, 1980s were a weird time. Okay. Weird time. I have I have to talk to you about that, it, but it's one of my nits, so I'm going to hold off okay, on hold it. Because <laughs> it, it drives me insane. All right. So, I want to start this off. Actually, I'm going to start it off with a nit. Oh. It's one of my nits. But this isn't just for this movie. This is like a general nit. Okay. And also a Dear Hollywood. Oh, wow. Okay. You're just getting everything. I just got to get this off my chest because it's going to lead us into some more conversation here. Okay. But the kids don't look like high schoolers. Now. That is a nit of, I was going to wait for that one. Now, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. They look closer to high school age than a lot of other movies I've seen, but they still don't look it. Um. I will disagree with you slightly on that fact because John Bender has a white streak of hair. Only He's going one, gray. Only like in one scene though. No, in multiple scenes. Yeah, it's weird. But every once in a while, like if his hair shifts slightly, you don't see it as much. Yeah. But like he but definitely I think is going gray. that was a choice though. I think that was a choice because it's very deliberately placed in, in the front of his head. Mm. It's not like 
he he looks like Rogue from the X-Men. He really but like, does. Your hair doesn't naturally do that. You don't get like just one random streak in the front of your head. I mean, people have, but it's very, very Yeah, rare. so I think that was a deliberate thing. Maybe to show like he's been held back a few years. Maybe. All right. So here's my open letter. Ready? Mm-hmm. Dear Hollywood, stop casting people who are in their late 20s, early 30s to play high schoolers. There are tons of high school aged actors out there. And I know you can't get away with as much because of, you know, being under 18 and you can't do certain things, but that's okay. Cast a 19 year old, a 20 year old, an 18 year old. Yeah. They can get away with all that stuff, but they will look like they're supposed to be in high school. Yeah. Let me tell you this. Plus a lot of them will be more likely to be like, Hey, this is not how we talk. That is a problem with a lot of movies. Yeah. But we're going to get into that. So here's, here's, here's what I wrote down. Here's our stars of the movie, who they played, and how old they were when this movie released. Okay. Emilio Estevez plays the jock Andrew. Yes. 23. Not terrible. Not terrible. Judd Nelson, John Bender, the criminal, 26. Molly Ringwald, Claire, the princess, 27. Ali Sheedy, Allison, the basket case, 23. Her and Estevez, same year. They're like two months apart only. Crazy. Anthony Michael Hall, here's when they got it right. Anthony Michael Hall plays Brian, the brain, was only 17 when this movie came out. And he was in 16 Candles before this. The year before. Yeah. Yeah, so he was only 16 when that movie came out, which means he shot that movie at, at like 15, shot this one at 16, and they all came out after that. Well, So he's like you the know- <laughs> only one that's like appropriately aged. Now, the other ones are kind of close, but Molly Ringwald, you're 27 years old. Yeah. And you can see it. Yeah. Well, my thing I actually wrote for uh, Brian, the the smart one. Yeah. The only semi-realistic high schooler. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, he was in high school in at the time. personality and looks and okay. the way he behaved. Yeah. So, I just... Dear Hollywood, stop doing that. Just hire age-appropriate people. Or at least like only one or two years removed, not yeah. 10 years removed, Molly Ringwald. Like you're going to your 10 year high school reunion to be like, oh, I'm playing a high schooler in a movie. Haven't gotten past my high school years. Yeah. Like, mm, mm, okay. But it's like, you'd get a lot more fresh meat, as it were to say, like fresh talent. Yeah. If you had to stay a little bit more age appropriate, because then you're not, you know, banking on this one person for 10 years to play high school part a you know yeah exactly so, so you'd have a new face every couple of years and you'd grow your pool of stars absolutely and here's the thing i'm gonna bring this up and i will talk about this again when we do the spider-man podcast because it's coming guys it's like my favorite movie of all time the sam mary me ones but <laughs> that's what they ran into when they hired toby mcguire to play peter parker he didn't look like a high schooler nope. he was way too old to be a high schooler now what they did was smart because in the second movie He's not in high school anymore. Yeah. They moved him to college. And in the third one, he's no longer in school, period. He's out in the working world. So, like, they they at least did it appropriate knowing they hired somebody way too old that's not convincing. So, they just didn't keep him in high school. Yeah. But, like, Tom Holland's the new Spider-Man. He's older than, you know, he's early 20s. But at least he looks like he's a 15-year-old boy. Yeah. Which is why it's weird when women are like, oh, he's super attractive. And I'm like, I know he's of age, but he also looks like he's 12. It's weird. (laughs) Um, let's get back to the movie at hand, yes, though. Yes, sorry. Um, so yeah, just 
it blew my mind because mm. I was like, Judd Nelson, like you're only 26 when this movie came out. I mean, you were about 25, but you look 40. Yeah, he does. But that that's also kind of of the age. Like, I don't know if you've ever gone through and looked at like old school. Oh, people uh, have written yearbooks. papers about how people used to age faster back in the day. Because there are like 12 year olds who look like they're 30 in those like yearbooks. Yeah. And, you know, we learn about Bender's backstory and like a hard life will age you quick. Yeah. It will make you look older very quickly. So, yeah. okay, let's get into what did Mr. Roger Ebert think about The Breakfast Club? Well, he actually gave it three stars. And here's a quote for, of his. Nothing that happens in The Breakfast Club is all that surprising. The truths that are exchanged are more or less predictable, and the kids have fairly standard hang-ups. But The Breakfast Club doesn't need earth-shattering revelations. It's about kids who grow willing to talk to one another... And it has a surprising good, surprisingly good ear for the way they speak. Okay. Is that it? Yeah. Right. I mean, he, said, he obviously went on to say a lot more. Oh, but yeah. I felt like that was pretty succinct. Like, it, it's not groundbreaking. No. But it's good in what it is. No, absolutely not. It's, it's a 1985 movie about high school. And it does nail that. Yeah. So, yeah, it makes perfect sense. What else you got? Uh, I have the Rotten Tomatoes critic score. With 64 reviews, is that 89%? 89? 89. But only 64 reviews. Only 64 reviews. So it's not like reviewers are going back to review this. It was like yes. kind of, they got their reviews, they moved on. Yes. Okay. However. Yeah. The audience, there's been over 250,000 reviews for this movie on Rotten Tomatoes from the okay. audience. Yeah, let me guess. 67. Want to try again? No. 92. Whoa! 92% over 250,000 reviews. I did not see that coming. Uh, Wow. Okay. I didn't either. Yeah. Okay. But this is one of those things where I feel like, for me, watching this movie just to watch it, a good time. Watching this movie this time more critically, because I knew I was going to have to talk about this movie... I don't know if it's a 92%. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. It never showed. Box office. Breakfast Club, 1985. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, sorry. Uh, cinema score? There is no cinema score. It was, it predate, pre, predated the cinema score. Got it. Okay. All right. Box office. Yes. 1985. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Domestically, this movie made $45,875,171. Yeah, only $45 million. Sounds low. And you're like, okay, but let's adjust for inflation to kind of see. Yeah. <clears throat> and worldwide, it was like the same. Worldwide, it made like $29,000 only, so I didn't even include that. Uh, adjusted for inflation, 118500 118000 Whew, look at me just knowing my numbers. $118,500,086. Respectable. It's a $100 million movie. Here's the crazy thing. Mm. In 2022, we just started 2023, so I can't like tell you where anything's going to be. Where it would land here. Yeah. So we're going to go back to 2022. It would have been the number 14 movie of the year. Still respectable. It would have been just below Nope, and it would have beat out Disney's Lightyear by Now, when you're looking at 2022, people thought Lightyear was a flop. So if this movie would have only made 200000 more, is it a flop? I guess it depends on what it was made for. 
you know? I, yeah, but, like, looking at it in retrospect of how big of a movie this became, it came out this year and only made, or last year, and only made $100,000, 100000 $100 million. Ooh, I think a lot of articles would have been written about how this was supposed to be a huge hit, and it just couldn't get there. Mm, I don't know that this one would necessarily would have been considered a huge hit. Well, it depends. I mean, if we're talking John Hughes, this is John Hughes' like heyday. heyday. This yeah. is when he's like the biggest filmmaker in the world, the biggest writer, the biggest everything. He's got a movie coming out. You're expecting it to go off. When Do you know what it was placed that year? Uh, I do not off the top of my head. Mm. Um, I think it ranked somewhere around like between 15 and 20 for the year that is surprising but i feel like it as much as it's a universal tale it's a little more niche too because it's just that like high school range. maybe maybe i don't know it's I, just it's a weird thing it yeah. kind of goes with like it goes against what you just said it's the, highly the critics rated, have it but... at 89 the audience has it at 92 and yet it didn't make a good amount of money when it came out and adjusted for inflation it clearly wouldn't have been up there I mean, there's other movies I see that came out that are like, oh, adjusted for inflation, it's a $200 million movie. I mean, we did it with um, an old podcast. We did it with the Flintstones. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, it was like a $300 million movie when adjusted for inflation. Yeah. But this one, not so much. So it's Cold classic very, status? Yeah, pretty much. But I don't know. Weird. Yeah. Just weird. So kind of goes exactly against what Yeah, I kind of figured it would have done well. Initially. I was expecting like 60 to 70 million in 1985, adjusted for inflation, put it around 150 million, knock it into like the top 10 of last year it was more where I was thinking it was going to land. So being outside the 10, interesting. Mm -hmm. um, all right, moving on. Let's go into what we, what held up in the movie and what didn't hold up in the movie. Let's just kind of, you know, talk what we came here for. Yeah. The Breakfast Club. Yeah. Go ahead. What do you, you want to talk about first? I want to talk about that music. Okay. That music. Because honestly... So coming off of Pitch Perfect from last week where they do the music, yes. you want to talk about the music. Yes. Because okay. honestly, the opening of this movie and that music hits, oh, just so good. So many feels. And Now, are you getting feels because of the movie or are you getting feels because you've heard that song in other things? No, of, of this movie. Okay. Like, I know this song from this movie. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. So... I, I hear that song and I'm like, oh yeah. <laughs> for those Don't of forget you about me. <laughs> yep. Yeah. For those of you listening, I I just held my held up my fist, but uh, it got me going. It got me ready for the story. Yeah. Going in and then just the random bits. and then coming in with the narration right after it too. Mm -hmm. Oh, I don't. I'm not a huge fan of narration, mm -hmm. but when it's used right, it can get you. So honestly, this is probably like my first time noticing that they do that narration at the beginning and, and then the at end. the end. Yeah. Because I think it's the one story you get part of it at the beginning, then the part of it at the end. This is my first time ever really noticing that. So a little bit, because at the beginning, what you're, the narration you're hearing is Brian mm -hmm. reading it. Yeah. Right. And he says all of it. Yeah. He says a brain, a jock, a basket case. He mm -hmm. He's the one who says it all. At the end, they switch it up, though. They all because say they their own all thing. say their own thing. Yeah. That's where the major difference comes in. 
And I completely forgot that the narration starts this movie. Yeah. I actually wrote that down because I was like, it gives two meanings to the whole thing. You really get to feel how they were at the beginning of the day versus the end of the day. You hear, yeah. Because Brian saying it all at the beginning was he's an outsider. He's the brain. He's the one who did the assignment. Mm -hmm. Nobody else cared. Yeah. But then when they all come together to say they're each individual part at the end, you get that sense of like, just because he wrote it doesn't mean they all didn't have a hand in it. Yeah. Which is just, oh, it, it's mm, really ah, good. Chef's kiss on that. Yeah. Um, okay. What else about the music? Anything? No, that's just my main thing. Like the, there's little bits here and there. Um, while I do love the music, some of it would seem a little random. Cause it like, if it was an intense moment, it would like build up into this weird music bit. Yeah. 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 That I didn't really care for. Okay. That's but that was very of the time. Like you see movies of that time and like even in the into the 90s they had that where it's like i'm being so hardcore and edgy music yeah sudden music stop so it's like it's very of the time so i like it and i don't all at the same time it's i i like the music here i think at moments it's very distracting Mm -hmm. but it's also very iconic yeah therefore like I'm never going to say no to hearing it. <laughs> right. Like, just play the music, play the soundtrack. I'm good. Yeah. Here's something I really want to talk about. Because okay. Ebert kind of touched upon it a little bit in that quote that you gave us. Mm-hmm. But there's more to explore here. Yeah. He talks about how nothing they say, their stories and everything aren't groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. But the way they speak is really good. Mm-hmm. I don't remember what his exact part of the quote was about them speaking. Uh... It was towards it, the end. And it has a surprisingly good ear for the way they speak. And I agree. I wholeheartedly agree with that. I have written in my notes here just, oh my God, where did I, tight script. Mm-hmm. It is a tight script. And that's how I expect teenagers to talk. They weren't using big, overcomplicated words except for the brain Yeah. sometimes. But they all stayed true to their character without ever breaking and being like, oh my God, you are playing a stereotype. Mm-hmm. They are the archetypal stereotypes. Yeah. But there was a lot of dialogue that got you outside of that. And they never went crazy. It was like, this is just real. Like John Hughes like sat down with them and said, hey, just talk. And while you talk, I'm going to write stuff down. That's mm-hmm. what it felt like. It was like, okay, I get this. The only character I had a problem with in the entire dialogue, in the entire script, the teacher. Oh, yeah. He's so bland, one note, and just, I'm going to scream and be angry. Mm-hmm. Although, I, I wrote that as one of my nits, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the So, Paul Gleason plays the teacher, Richard mm-hmm. Dick, and he's a wonderful actor because the script didn't do him any justice. No. He just had to scream the whole time and be aggressive and blah, blah, blah. But the subtle things he did. So there's a great moment after he yells at Bender towards the beginning of the movie. And I don't remember exactly what he's yelling at him about. He walks out. The door closes behind him. And we just linger on him for a good like 30 seconds. And we watch what I would describe as like a pain in his eyes. Because I don't think he really wants to yell at Bender. He doesn't want to yell at these kids, but he has to. Mm. I don't know if you got that at any moments from him, but... At at moments, more so early on than anything else. Like, I think towards the end, Bender had pushed him too far. Yeah, absolutely. But at the beginning, he did kind of feel, like, almost guilty. Especially after the whole, uh, 
you get one more. You're, you're yeah, going to yeah. get another one if you keep talking. Like, you can kind of see it. He's like, man, I let the rage get the best, best of me at that moment. Like, he's just a kid. Yeah. And it's that subtle thing because the script doesn't tell you that. Nothing he says <laughs> tells you that. But Gleason just crushed it. Mm-hmm. Great, great performance subtly. Because there's also a wonderful moment where Bender gets in trouble. He pulls Bender out of the room and he shoves him into a closet. And he's like, you're going to spend the rest of the day in here. And then he gets in his face and he's like, listen, you're going to ruin your life and nobody's going to care about you. And you're going to be miserable. And five years down the road, you're going to have nothing. And I'm going to be there and I'm going to beat the sh out of you. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, let's fight. Come on, get up. I'll give you the first punch. Hit me. And he's in his face. What a moment. Oh, that scene. The, the, the fear and, like, confusion on Bender's in face. Bender's face. Yeah. And the teacher, like, almost in tears, screaming at him about how he's going to beat him up. Because he thinks that might be the only way to get through to him. Oh, I love that moment. Yeah. What do you think? That moment always, like, almost breaks my heart for Bender. Because it, it is that moment of just, like, this is what he's going to be thought of. Yeah. For the rest of his life. Yeah. Ugh, and it's just obviously such... that's not who he really yeah. would be if given the choice. Absolutely. Um, moving on. Mm-hmm. The acting is so good in this movie. Not only is it a tight script that John Hughes wrote, but what an all-star freaking cast. <laughs> I mean, Anthony Michael Hall and Molly, Molly Ringwald were the epitome of high school teenage type movies in the 80s. Well, yeah. They were the stars of it. Yeah. Emilio Estevez was coming off of, uh, God, what movie was he? Some big movie. I don't remember off the top of my head. But he was obviously going to go on to do big things like Hot Shots Part Deux and obviously the Mighty Ducks whole thing. Like, he was about to blow up. And uh, what's her name? The other girl. Ali Sheedy. She was in a big movie right before this. She was about to do some TV shows and stuff like and Paul Gleason is just phenomenal. But, man, we watch high school movies today, and you get, like, that one or two stars in it, and then everybody else is kind of like, who cares? Yeah. You're, you're just filling in roles? Yeah. No, no, no. John Hughes was like, let's go get every up-and-coming big star that we can and put them. The The most unknown person going into this was Judd Nelson, John yeah. Bender. And then he blew up after this. Did a oh, whole of bunch course. of stuff. He's still working in TV and everything. Like, he's one of those ones who, like, you see his face and you're like, I recognize you, but I don't know who you are. Yeah. I do it with him all the time when I see him in something. Like, <laughs> who are you? And then I look him up and I'm like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> but if I, Judd, did th- I did that with Emilio Estevez. In this? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, I know you, but I don't. You're like, you don't look as scruffy as when you were in Mighty Ducks. Yeah. You look a little more fresh-faced. Yeah. Yeah. You have Mighty, too much hope left. Because Mighty Ducks you? was like seven or eight years away still, so he had to grow a little. He was in his 30s when he did that one. Yeah. Yeah, just what a what a great cast. And they all are amazing in this. Like, holy crap. There are moments in this that are, they feel so real. And so much emotion and everything behind it, where it's just like, wow did you just put a camera and tell them to do confessionals or something because who chills yeah my what's uh 
Who who's your favorite actor in this? Who do you think played their part the best? I have no idea. Come on. I really enjoyed the out? the Allison character, but that's because that was me growing up. Yeah, no, no, but not who not who you oh, who Bender. stood out to you. Bender. Yeah, right. Obviously. He's the most unknown person, but he comes in and he owns this movie. I mean, he movie. is the emotional crux of this movie. That entire segment scene where he's talking about his home life and going back between him, his father, and then his mother interjects every now and then. And he's playing all three roles. Yeah. A lot of that was done in like one take. If you notice, the camera doesn't move. Oh, yeah. It just stares at him. Every now and then we'll cut to somebody else. But when it's on him, it's just on him. Yeah. Whew. Ooh, goosebumps. Like, I want to reach through the TV and, like, hug him in that moment and be like, it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Especially his little rage afterwards, too. Like, yeah. I don't need this. I mean, I don't need to sit by you idiots anymore. And he walks away and he throws books and he screams and he gets up in the in the stairwell. Yeah. Puts his head to the stairs and just looks forward. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. Break my heart a little more, won't you? Yeah. Wow, I went real Canadian there for a second. <laughs> Break my heart a little more, won't you? Um, oh, now you went Irish. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's all go- over. It's but, gone. Dude, it- but that's what he does to me in that moment. <laughs> I don't even know who I am anymore. See, while I think their performances were amazing, I think they were a little too stereotypical. Like, and that might just be because I've seen so much that has come since. Yeah. And and now all archetypes are kind of based off of these characters. But seeing them now, I'm looking at them going like, you're just too hard in one way. Yeah. And no one that. is actually like that. So it kind of takes me out of that moment. Counterpoint. I knew people in high school who were exactly like those people. I knew a princess and a basket case and a jock and a criminal and a brain. I was one of them. I will not say which one, (laughs) but I was one of them. I was a few of those put together. Yeah. So there's definitely those people who fit that mold. Yeah. Just to have five of them all in one place at one given time, and they're all different. It's a movie. Yes. You know, you gotta. <laughs> you couldn't put all brains in a room. Like, might be a little boring. Yeah. You wouldn't have that conflict at all. So. Yeah. Yeah. I just I thought, what a what a moment, what a cast, um, and it really shows. There's a few great moments in this, and one moment that gets me all the time. Hmm. The coat removal. Oh. <laughs> towards the beginning of the movie, like, um. What's his name? Brian, the brain, mm-hmm. is just kind of listening to Bender. Bender's doing his whole thing, and he sits back down, and Bender goes to remove his coat, and Brian does at the same exact time. And the way Bender just stares at him, like, are you kidding me right now? <laughs> and then Brian just slowly puts his back slowly on. Slowly puts it back on. And, and like just cool. Yeah. Yeah. And lets Bender take his off. And then Brian wears his for a little while longer before he takes it off. Yeah. But just like the dead air silence between them as they both do it at the same time is just like that's a who hasn't done that by accidentally doing the same exact thing as somebody else and then you kind of make eye contact and you're like oh this is awkward (laughs) see i normally just laugh it off at that moment but it's still awkward you know that explains why i always laugh when i'm feel awkward probably (laughs) but like there's just little moments throughout the movie that are just so good like that you got any can you think of any off the top of your head uh, not off the top of my head right now, mostly because I was thinking about my next point. <laughs> yeah, like, I love the scene, too, where Bender's ripping up the book. Yeah. And then him and the princess, Claire, making eye contact. There might be something there. And then Brian speaks and ruins the whole thing, and Bender just whips pages of the book at him. Yeah. Again, just 
that's a great real moment mm-hmm. of like, dude, you cock blocked me. God, throw papers at him. <laughs> there are some really nice moments in this movie with that kind of thing. I just wish the just... in-between was better. Yeah. Well, going What's your on next to point? It, my next point is actually a negative. It is a lot of the jokes and stuff in this movie, a lot of the dialogue in this movie is not okay. Like, Bender himself is just purely problematic with yeah. a lot of the things he says. There's, you know, jokes about, you know, gang bangs and like gay slurs yeah there's and there's a few of those there's there. a lot of that kind of talk and that kind of insinuation and it's just like why yeah let's uh let's get into that because i wrote down a few here i wrote down homophobia yeah sexism mm-hmm. and sexual assault yeah all three of those things happen in this movie yep and it's a lot of times played for laughs, and it's like, that's not funny. Yeah. Um, Emilio Estevez's character screams at Bender um, a three-letter word that begins with F mm-hmm. uh, as a slur for um, homosexual homosexuality. Men. Oh, God, it comes off bad. Well, yeah. Like, But, like, old movies I've heard that say, and it's like, ah, it's, it's bad, but, like... It's not necessarily used in the way it was used in this movie. And this one, using it so derogatorily, is like, wow, what a different time. And then they go on to make jokes because, you know, uh, Andrew is on the wrestling team, of course. Oh, of course. He's the jock, you know, so. But but he doesn't play baseball. He doesn't play basketball. He has to play wrestling so that he gets on the floor wearing tights with other men. Yeah. And there are definitely jokes at that expense that mm-hmm. do not hold weight today. Yeah. And the sexism, the, the fact that there's two girls and they are the exact extremes of each other. Mm-hmm. And, oh God, they have zero say in anything. Oh yeah, no. They are there for plot device. And that in is In fact, you know, Bender at one point is underneath the table and he puts his head in between. Oh, that's a sexual legs. assault. Yeah. Yeah. That's not sexism. That's just straight up sexual assault. Oh yeah, no. Everything they talk. But the women to about are just the there women. for the men to eventually end up in a relationship with. Yeah. They don't get character growth. Like by the end, Claire still kind of seems like a princess. Maybe a little bit of a harder edged princess, but definitely still a princess. Yeah, she's gotten like a little bit of a wake up call, but definitely t- come tomorrow, she's probably gonna be doing the exact same thing. And then Allison gets her little makeover yeah which, but like come on tomorrow she's not gonna wake up and do that she's gonna show up to school like that on monday yeah and will andrew still want you then yeah that's a one-time deal girl so yeah they're just there for that like couple of points that they need to be for the men to further their stories yeah all right let's talk about that a sexual assault there yeah oh god <laughs> what do you what do you want to say about it uh that i avoided watching it this time it's okay so he crawls back through the vents to get back into the library to hang out with all the people. And when the teacher comes in, mm-hmm. he has to hide. Yeah. So he hides under Claire and Andrew's desk. Yes. But instead of like being between them or something, he is between Claire's legs. And she's wearing a skirt. Of course she is. She's a princess. They always wear skirts. Yeah. But not only. Like, I think you can get away with it slightly if he just looks. Yeah. It's not as bad if he just kind of looks and and 
maybe makes a gesture or something, right? Because that's, you know, you can still play it off as that's his character, yeah. but... But this movie goes far with it. Yeah. He puts his head, he literally shoves his head between her legs mm-hmm. and up her skirt. So that she, she clamps down her legs on him and he like yelps. And yeah. then Andrew freaking plays it off. Covers it up. Well, he yeah. doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. You know, it could have been anything. He could have bit her or whatever. Yeah. And Andrew's just playing it off. But why? Why did that have to exist? Who was that for? And was it funny in 1985? Apparently. I'm going to have to ask somebody. I'm gonna have yeah. To, I don't think I have. I do have some friends that were born before that, but obviously not that far before. Yeah. I'll have to ask like, my mom. Well, I have to ask your dad. Yeah. Be like, hey. Was this? Hey, uh, this Pete, if you are laughs? currently listening to this, let us know. Was this played for laughs? Did you see this movie? And when that happened, did people laugh? Did you laugh? It's okay if you did. 1985 was a completely different time. Yeah. As long as you understand that it's a problem now. Oh, because yeah. Because I'm pretty sure I laughed at that the first time I saw it. I 12-year-old boy watching it? Of course I laughed. Yeah. Of course I laughed. I'm a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> it was funny. And now I look at it and I'm like, oh, God, oh, I want to no. punch my 12-year-old self in the face. Yeah. Which kind of leads me to... Yeah. Why, Let's why get off a, that. Let's go to something else. Why does everyone indulge Bender? Who indulges Bender? Because they all hate Bender at first. They do, but they let him go on. They let him get under their skin, and so he still gets what he wants. Okay, so apparently you've never met a bully. No. Okay, let me let me explain this to you. Bullies don't stop until they get under your skin. So it's not so much of an indulgence, uh, or it's more or less like a, I have to say something to put an end to it, because if I don't, he will keep going. But the problem is, bullies don't think that way. And if you say something, it pushes them even more. No matter what, they will not stop. So you find ways to do it. So they're not really indulging him so much as trying to get him to shut the hell up. I normally, I got around the whole bullying thing by not realizing that that's what they were doing. So I never engaged. (laughs) But that's just you. But imagine you're in a room with only five other people and there's a bully in there. Like they're not going to stop. Somebody will, because Brian doesn't, engage him like he tries to yeah. befriend him not really push him along allison does nothing yeah the only person that really pushes him is claire or andrew andrew wants to beat the crap out of him yeah to stop it yeah. claire's the only one who allows him to, to there is also a moment that is very uncomfortable where he's asking about claire's virginity mm-hmm. and, and no one saying anything no one stops this no, either andrew stops it Eventually. He literally says, say so, say one more thing to her and I will beat the crap out of you. Um, I think they needed to fight. Let's just move on. Yeah. I think they needed to fight. Yeah. We got a little bit of it where like, Andrew's like, two hits. Me hitting you, you hitting the floor. Mm-hmm. And then Bender turns away from him and like tries to backhand him. And Andrew grabs him and like shoves him to the ground in a chicken wing. Yeah. I needed more. Well, then Bender brought out his knife. Yeah, but then Allison stole it, so... Which but was he did the a typical... very funny moment. Oh, it's you know, such a good moment. You're focused on Bender. He no- he puts it into a chair, and you kind of just see Allison's hand, like, creep out of yeah, the Yeah, she, frame. like, leans into frame and just slowly grabs it and pulls out. Yeah, yeah it's great. It's a wonderful um, moment. But he does the typical bully thing. Yeah. Oh, God, I got I got beat up. I have to say why I chose not to fight you. Mm-hmm. I, I won't fight you because I'll, I'll kill you, and I, I just... I don't have time for that. <laughs> 
All right, uh-huh. Peter, we hear you. You're lying, but we hear you. So... But I think my main problem with Bender being this like insane bully and everyone just kind of going with it is he still gets the girl at the end. Because he changes. Does he, though? Does any he... of them? No. Okay. I, I mean, a little. Yeah. Let's, but... let's jump ahead to the end. Uh, I wasn't there yet, but let's go for it. Who changes in this? Who is this movie for? And what is the point of it? Yeah. Because here's my biggest problem with the ending. Yes, you get the you get the idea. We already talked about it. At the end, during the whole basket case, everything, mm-hmm. they all say their stereotype. Yeah. But Brian's still the one who wrote the entire damn thing. Mm-hmm. None of y'all learned anything? None of y'all were like, hey, we're friends with Brian. We should probably help him write it. No, they literally guilt him into writing it by himself by basically abusing their popularity and being like, we like you. So, like, just do us a favor and Plus, write this paper for us. we know you're going to be the best one to write it anyway, because you're so smart. Right? What the hell? Mm-hmm. So, Brian just gets screwed at the end. Yeah. Andrew only falls for the, the goth girl or the basket case girl. Once she's put into pink shirt. After the movie does that typical, oh, the pretty girl, that girl, the ugly girl's been pretty this whole time. We just need to remove her glasses. Just like pull her hair back a little bit. You I think know. that's where this started. Yeah. That whole idea might have come from this movie. Might have. Of oh the pretty girl, she's she's always been pretty. You just didn't see it. Yeah. We you there know take her glasses off, mess up her hair a little bit. You're fine. Yeah. Yeah. But he only likes her after that. I mm-hmm. mean, maybe there's hints of it. Before. There are hints of it. I definitely noticed hints of it. But of would where... they end up together if she no. didn't change? No. no, because he has an image to uphold, and he's yeah. not going to change that. Yeah. I mean. Claire and him literally say, we we wouldn't talk to you come yeah. Monday. And Claire ends up with Bender, but like, come on, for what, a week? And as soon as she, her friends give her crap, she's out. I mean, to be fair, the only reason they're kind of like, quote unquote, together is Bender brings up the line, well, you know how messed up your parents would be if you brought me home. Right. He's kind of using her domestic situation, her mm-hmm. family situation to worm his way into her life yeah like come monday nothing that happened in this movie matters Nah. nobody changed nothing's different the only thing is bender gets to walk around and go and he'll probably just walk around and say he slept with claire and spread lies mm-hmm. although they might have slept together in that closet ah we don't know we don't know what happened in there they but kissed he has the, the earring least. yeah which so like, might be the symbolization of hey Right, like, but he also could just be like, "Yeah, I slept with her. She gave me this earring, and whatever." Yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. I hate the end of this. I love the the essay that's written. Yeah, and I love the final shot. Bender throwing his arm up into the air. It's iconic. The music playing, everything. But when you think about it, it's a bad ending. Oh yeah, it's bad. All right. <sighs> The teacher? Mm-hmm. What an abuse of power. Like, he comes in hot from moment one. Yeah. Why? Probably because he's had to deal with Bender before. I know, but he's he's hot to everybody. Is he just pissed he has to work on Saturday? Because I think you can volunteer for that. I don't think you get picked to work Saturday attention. I, I think you get, like, bonus pay. I wonder if he's a dean, not a teacher. Deans would never be the one doing Saturday attention. That's a teacher's job. Plus, he only makes $31,000. There's no way but he's But he has dean. an office right next to... No, no, no. 
He's just in an office. Oh, no, no, it is his it office because it has office. his name on it. Yes. I don't know. Other teachers I know had offices. Hmm. Like the entire math department in my high school, they all the math teachers had like an office. Yeah. That they shared. Departments had offices. I've never seen a teacher themselves just have I mean, it could have just been the department office. He just has his name there. Hmm. I don't know. Weird. But why would a dean and a dean only makes $31,000? I mean, adjusted for inflation, that's like 50K. Yeah. I don't know. I love how he throws that out there. I was going to say, there's teachers now that have like, that only make 31. Yeah. But I love how he throws that out there when he's going to fight Bender. Yeah. I got 31. I make $31,000 a year and I own a house. I don't need to get messed up for this. Oh man. You're an adult. You don't have to impress this teenager. It's okay. I promise. (laughs) Your power is secure. Yeah. (laughs) He's such, he's such a badly written character. Mm Mm-hmm. Gleason does great with it. He's entertaining to watch. Yeah, but he's you can not. definitely tell they put a lot more effort, or at least tried to put more effort into the kids. But it it felt like that classic kids have to do everything kind of movie. I wonder if that's where this that that started. Yeah, this movie of the whole idea of adults are dumb and can't do anything. So it's know. all about the kids. Yeah, weird. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about um, Emilio Estevez. Yeah, inspired choice to have him play. Basically a roid-raged jock. Yeah. Aggressive, like, he's in detention for a really messed up reason. Do you remember what that reason is? Mm-hmm. What's the reason? He taped the butt cheeks of a... Glue. Another... Taped. It was tape. It's glue. Tape. Because when they separate it, the skin, the hair, and the skin come off. Yes. That wouldn't just tape. be tape. You sure? No. I'm pretty sure it's glue. I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm going to die on this hill. I'm going to die on this hill. I think they glued his butt cheeks together. They taped him. But he was really hairy. Yes. So when and they pulled off the tape, I the thought hair... it was just when they separated his butt cheeks. Yeah, no, it's tape. Either way. <laughs> I'm fairly certain. A... If, you know, one of us is wrong. Yeah, and... let us know on Twitter who's right. <laughs> um, at does it hold up? One, three. Uh, so what a weird backstory. But, like, this is the guy who would go on to become sort of lovable in other movies, especially Mm -hmm. as the coach in Mighty Ducks. And then you watch this, and he's a real asshole. Well, I mean, he's kind of an a-hole in Mighty Ducks 1. But he's, like, a drunk idiot, you know? So it's like he's an adult, and he grows by the end. He doesn't. It just feels like a really inspired choice. Yeah. To have him, this baby-face-looking guy, and pretty, be the jock. And a pretty short dude. Yeah. Too. Like, okay. Backstories for each of these characters. I really want to get into them. Okay. All right. Who do you want to start with? Pick somebody. Well, we're already dealing with Andrew. All right. So, so his, his whole thing is that his father was a, a former athlete who pushes him to be great because mm-hmm. he never could be great himself. That typical... You're going to be the best wrestler in the world because I wasn't. So you eat, sleep, and piss wrestling. Yeah. But not only that, he also used to... Like, be a huge bully himself. Yeah. Like and he pushes... and haze people. So doesn't he say the reason he did it to make his old man proud because mm-hmm. he heard his old man's wild stories and he wanted to do something to, like that. Yeah. He wanted to be more like him. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. What the... F- you know anybody like that? Who wanted to be just like their dad? Who, or... who you think would have gone that far to like impress their parents or, or whatever? No. No? No. Okay. <laughs> Not that far. Yeah. They 
some of my friends have done stupid stuff to impress their parents, but never Not like that. cruel Not on that. that level. But then okay. again, my friends were all the the quote unquote like losers who didn't. Oh wow! Uh, okay, if any of Emily's friends are listening, she just called you a loser. I mean, we we kind of were. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we all were. <laughs> so <laughs> we weren't necessarily the bullies. What do you? Okay, so we're gonna go through every backstory. I want you to rate them like one to ten. How interesting and compelling of a backstory they had. Mm-hmm. Ten being like super compelling. This is a great backstory, and one being like a you couldn't think of anything better. <laughs> so Andrew's backstory of wanting to impress his dad because he looks up to him. Like a six. I can mm-hmm. kind of see it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of middle of the road for me. Where it's like I think you could have gave him more than rather just. Oh, my dad thought this would be cool, so I did it. Yeah. But I... But it's a Michael, jock thing. Yeah. It had a, definitely a more emotional thing once he realized what he did. And the fact that that kid has to go home and tell their parent, like, how they were yeah. embarrassed. So Andrew ends up with Allison at the end. Yeah. Is Andrew secretly gay, though? Yeah, There's hints know. to it in the movie. I, d- I don't know. No, I'm like, asking. I never like, no, noticed no, no, I, that. Really? Yeah. You're going to have to watch the movie again. There's okay. like weird little hints to it where, I don't know. Okay. Might be one of those like later in life he realizes it Could type be. deal. Could be. Especially like you, you glued the kid's butt cheeks together, man. What are you doing down there? Yeah. Plus when he's getting made fun of for being a wrestler, he doesn't fight it. Wow. He's like, yeah. It's like, do. we, don't, we don't wear tights. We don't wear tights. Like, yeah, it's called a singlet. It's not technically tights. They were yeah. using the wrong word, so he's right. Yeah. But it's still tights. <laughs> All right, next backstory. Uh, we'll do Claire. Claire is a princess whose parents are going through... Well, they're I... not going through a divorce, but a divorce is on the horizon. And they tell her not to listen to the other one, and they buy her love with material objects. Yeah. But don't give her actual love. Yeah. Where's that rank on your scale, and what do you think about it? Like a two. Okay. Like a two. Talk to me about it. I mean, I had quite a few friends with either divorced parents or parents who were getting divorced, and it's just like, hmm. Yeah. You, you could have done a little bit more with that. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's a little weak. Um, I get she's a princess. I think having her parents buy her love of material objects was enough. I think them getting a divorce and fighting each other and using mm-hmm. her in the middle was just a layer they didn't need well i mean you had to give that layer otherwise she has no conflict there's nothing that she really can open up about i mean she opens up about the fact that her parents don't love her and only buy her things i think that was enough uh next up allison i don't really remember her backstory her parents just don't pay attention to her they ignore her yeah it's not a great backstory it's a one yeah so she lies to get attention, but and steals things. She also doesn't talk. Yeah, she wants attention without getting attention. Yeah, she's super weird. Yeah, but like probably why in she's a cool, the like case. an interesting way. Yeah. Uh, so we got Bender or Brian. Who do you want to talk about next? Brian. Brian. Brian's whole thing is that his parents are want him to succeed in every academic way possible, and and how dare he ever get in trouble? He has to be perfect at all times. And that's a lot of pressure on a kid. You have to get straight A's. A B is not good enough because in shop, he failed one assignment. And now, even if he aces everything, he'll only get a B. Which made him almost want to kill himself? I 
Couldn't with tell. a flare gun? Yeah. I, I don't know. It was a call for attention, it felt like. Yeah. Like, I don't think he ever meant to do anything. He just was... He's never been in that situation before and didn't know how to handle it. Yeah. What's his backstory? One to ten. Like a four. Really? This like, is up there for me. This is like a seven or an eight. I think, I think if I know it a lot of people with this backstory. I think if it wasn't a flare gun, it would have been like a ten. Yeah, but outside of that, like his whole th- like you went you went okay, you went from a four to a ten because of the flare gun. Yeah, it kind of ruined it for me. Meh, it didn't. I think the whole idea of him being emotionally abused by his parents to be perfect that will break anyone oh yeah you hear about it all the time like this actually happens like that it's crazy so his his is super compelling especially because i think he handles his the best yeah he He still wants to be perfect not just for them but like he's kind of put it upon himself like i can be smart and perfect so I will be. Yeah. Which is it's interesting. Kind of, he, he's set that own standard for himself yeah, now he, and his identity is riding solely on this. He took the negative in his life of like being pushed and turned it into a positive trait for himself of, you know what? I can do it and I'm going to do it. And that's why I think it hurts him so bad when he fails. Yeah. Last up is Bender. Bender's just got a shitty home life. Yeah. His, his father abuses him. Drunk idiot. Doesn't care about him. His mom is... A non-factor, uh, basically. Being abused herself, yeah. apparently. So she doesn't do anything for him. Half the time, he doesn't even go home at night. He's constantly being threatened to kick, be kicked out. You know, all mm-hmm. that. The typical belt bully backstory. Yeah. Bad home life, so he takes it out on other people. Yeah. Rate it. Like, a, not another four. God, you hate these backstories, huh? Yeah. I mean, this is, this is another seven or eight for me. I think it's up there. I think it's a good backstory. He plays the character well. We already talked about that emotional scene where he's bouncing around, reenacting things that happened. Like, that's a... I can understand why he's the way he is. I can too. I I think I'm more jaded because I've seen all these done But I don't care about what you've seen him in other ways. I'm talking about in this movie. But you also said, is it compelling? And now it's not. But it is. It's still compelling. I'm looking at it in this light. Oh, man. Yeah, I'm jaded. Listen, apparently, guys, if you have a backstory, don't tell Emily. She doesn't give a shit at all. I give a shit about real life backstories. But these are real life backstories. That's the best thing about them. They didn't go fantasy with these. It wasn't like the princess is, she's too popular and she doesn't have privacy and that's the problem. (laughs) No, they gave her a real backstory, a thing that actually happens. Yeah. Every single one of these people have like a real backstory. Some of them are more compelling than others, but the fact that you your highest rated one is a six for the for the jock, insane, insane. You're you're wrong. <laughs> you're just wrong. That being said, I yeah. do really like the opening of all the cars and everyone getting there, kind of getting a look into each one of their lives before yeah. we get to know them. Because you literally get their entire backstory in that moment as well. I want to watch that scene again to look for little details after I notice something. I don't think I've ever noticed before, even though it's like dead center of the screen and you should. Hmm. Brian's, the license plate on Brian's mom's car. Yeah. E-M-C squared. Yeah. That's the license plate. E-M-C two. Mm -hmm. I was like, damn. They're all about that. Hit us over the head with it. But I don't, I don't remember if I've noticed that before. I probably have. Probably. And it just sticks out to me every time. So I'm like, 
Okay, now I need to go look at everybody's car and see if there's a little detail that I missed. <laughs> and Bender doesn't show up in a car. No, he Bender walks. Bender walks up. Yep. His coat's really cool. I would like one. Dude, I spent the entire time being like, where can I get your boots? Uh, his boots were cool, too. Yeah. So, I also like the conflict in each character. We already talked about, like conflict in the principal dean whatever he is Mm -hmm. we all we kind of touched upon the conflict in bender of like he needs to keep this persona of like i'm a badass but the minute he gets alone with that teacher he cowers yeah but everybody especially because they all smoke weed as soon as bender gets the weed they're all like oh my god no i can't believe you're doing that and even andrew's like if you blaze up in here i'll beat your ass it's like his whole thing. He just wants to fight Bender, which is why yeah. I'm surprised we never got a fight between them. But then they all eventually join in. Except for one. Brian. Allison. Oh, right. Brian totally is smoking. Yeah. Allison doesn't smoke? No. Right. Right, right, right. Um, Because she's not conflicted. Yeah. She She does those things to herself. She steals things. She seeks that attention. So she's not really conflicted. She knows who she is. Maybe it's not what she wants to be but she currently knows at least who she is yeah the rest of them have no idea so she's i love when they all get high together feeling guilty about anything she has no reason to actually be there yeah she literally doesn't have detention she just showed up because she had nothing better to do yeah so she lied to her parents so she could go hang out in saturday detention dumb yeah it's just interesting though like you can see it in andrew of like there's parts where I'm like, does he even really want to be a jock or is he just doing it for his dad? Oh, honestly, 100%. I mean, he literally talks about the fact that he wants his knee to go out so that he doesn't have to do it anymore. Just because of the pressure. But I also think he really likes being a jock. Like, I think he likes it. It's just so much pressure from his dad that he can't handle it. Could be. It's, It's great. With Claire, once again, it's like, she talks about her popularity all the time, but there's moments where you're like, if that girl could just disappear for a week... And have be left alone, she would probably love it. Yeah. Brian, he loves being smart. But at the same time, he would like to, again, take a break. Oh, yeah. Just just have a week of just, I'm going to chill out, play video games, do nothing, not have to think about things. Mm-hmm. And Bender doesn't want to be a bully. No. Bender wants to be accepted, but because he's not accepted, he has to push to be a bully. Oh, yeah. So the the conflict in every single one of these characters is just fantastic because we've all been there. Mm-hmm. We're all like, oh, I, you know, I'm a filmmaker, but that's not all I am. And yet when I meet new people and they find out, all they want to do is ask about who I've met and whatever. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> don't want to be that. That's great. <laughs> uh, so it's just, it's interesting. It's really mm-hmm. interesting. There's one thing I do want to point out during the scene in which they're all running through the hallways. Yeah. Avoiding uh the the dean the teacher Mm -hmm. it's so scooby-doo teacher walks down an aisle they run down another aisle but how do they not get caught that's a knit of mine let's go into it let's do this let's let's go right into it i had other things to talk about but we can go into that knit yeah let's go into that knit first i literally have it written down why does the teacher not hear them running everywhere running is loud yeah and they're not exactly quiet no he hears bender the minute bender starts to be by himself and he's supposed to get caught yeah but they were talking just as loud. Oh, yeah. Before. Oh, so yeah. So it's like, how? You were literally not... a, a 
in the same hallway yeah. and you don't hear them. Because there's moments they like run past a, a hallway and they go through a door. And then at, as they're going through the door, the teacher's walking out of that hallway, turning the other way. And it's like, how did you not see them? How did you not hear the door? Yeah, I don't. It's such like. Everything is loud in schools. Yeah, it's especially when it's empty. It's an echo chamber. Yeah. So it's like, it's a really fun moment. Yeah. But your suspension of disbelief is just gone. Yeah. It, you, you, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like, no, never going to happen. Yeah. I, you should all have multiple Saturday detentions oh, yeah. lined up. Yeah. Like, you know how he has Bender for the rest of his natural born life? Mm-hmm. He's got all of them. Because they also smoke weed. And come on, you don't smell it? Yeah, you didn't walk in all. and go, guys, you guys are blazing up. Everybody's here next Saturday. I mean, you literally have Andrew come out of a room that is just well, just fog. visible yeah, fog, just fog of the smoke. So it's like... So, yeah, ridiculous. What but, else? Uh, what are some of the other things you want to talk about before we move on? The other things I want to talk about is like the pacing of this movie. Okay. I don't think it's that great. I honestly get really weird. Like, it's really weird that they have like these profound talks and then suddenly they're just staring off into space again. Profound talks. Now they're dancing. Profound talks. Staring off into space again. And it's just like... I think that's how eight hours of nothingness would go, though. Nah, it, not necessarily, though. Like, I, it just... It's really odd to me where it's just like... Alright, social yeah, experiment, yes. guys. I need five volunteers. Well, three volunteers, including us two. Yeah. We're all gonna sit in a room for eight hours doing nothing but staring at a wall and let's see what happens. It'd have to be someone else because we already know each other. Oh, that's fair. Okay. Yeah. Four, you know. I need four volunteers and I will be the person who observes it all. Yeah. And comes up with the findings. Yeah. Let us know on Twitter if you'd volunteer. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I get it. I, I, I get the pacing could be bad. It doesn't bother me that much. Mm-hmm. Mostly because I have to think eight hours. Like, I've been at work for eight hours and it's been like a slow day and I'm yeah. bored out of my mind. And I'll go between like... All right, I'm going to write something. Uh, you know what? I'm going to sing music. Okay, now I'm going to write something again. Okay, now I'm going to watch a movie. Now I'm going to... Like, I've done that. I couldn't. So <laughs> I, I, I don't think it bothers me that much for it. One of my things is way too much freedom. The yeah. teacher just disappears and it's like, you barely come back and check on them until you hear something. They could be but doing God knows what. They're yelling. They're doing all sorts of mm-hmm. crazy stuff. And it's like, you He only comes when come the script in? writers tell him to come. Yeah. Yep. So it's just... You, the, some, the suspension of disbelief is broken so often in this movie absolutely. where it's just like this makes absolutely no sense yeah. figure yourself out okay uh going to your going to your nits all right you got? uh fingernail biting is not that loud oh that's mine too yeah towards the beginning Allie's biting her uh fingernails and it sounds like a car crash yeah yeah it's super loud it i bothers me. i have been a nail biter it is not that loud Okay, my, not loud at all. my other knit. Yeah. So if you're watching this on YouTube, you, you, you'll you see it. If you're watching it or if you're just listening to it on podcasts where podcasts are available, you won't. Mm-hmm. But the teacher, yeah. Richard, constantly points with his, with his two fingers up mm-hmm. like bullhorns, mm-hmm. right? Does it all the time, except for the only moment that it matters. <laughs> he has the wonderful line of mess with the bull and you'll get the horns. But he doesn't do it in that moment. Yeah. He just points with one finger and it's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> that was a perfect opportunity and you missed it. Well, if I'm correct, and I may not be, he only starts doing the two finger thing after 
he says the the bull part but then again that's the beginning of the movie so yeah it's like the first like eight minutes so everything after that yeah it just bothers me for some reason i don't know it doesn't ruin the movie for me but every time i see it i'm like because whenever somebody does the line they Mm -hmm. put the bull horns up yeah but he doesn't do that in the movie he just puts up one finger oh god it bothers me okay you got any more nits yeah okay what else you got why is bender the only seasoned saturday schooler there you you talked about the fact that there's only five of them when there should definitely be more than five yeah but also why is bender the only one who's had a saturday before like i feel like there's normally repeat offenders in saturday school i can vouch for that (laughs) so he just happens to be the only one like everyone else could have been been there it could have been their off week (laughs) (laughs) but it's also like these kids never get in trouble and suddenly they all have saturday school at the same time yeah Yeah. convenience yeah any others uh dude there's it's such an edgy opening it goes from that wonderful music and like those titles and then suddenly glass breaks i know weird right yeah Yeah. it makes no sense like it doesn't have anything to do breaking your expectations oh breaking the glass ceiling exactly i don't know (laughs) well i got some i got some questions for you okay what group did you fit into if you had to pick one of those if you had to pick a jock a basket case a princess, a criminal, or a brain? Which one are you? Probably the basket case. All right. If well, I had to pick in high one, school, in high school, yeah. What are you now? Probably still the basket case. Um, <laughs> my problem was is I didn't necessarily fit. I just keep dropping my pen. Sorry, <laughs> you're guys. not allowed to have pens. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> All right. Um, I was in my friend group. I was the jock, the brain, and the basket case all in one. No, so, you gotta pick one though. You can only be one. So I—that's why I'm going with the basket, basket case because I was a, in a friend group of got basket it. cases. I think I was the criminal, just because of how much I got in trouble. I kind of figured. <laughs> uh, what am I now? Probably more the brain. Yeah, now I can see it. Than the criminal. You do love your spreadsheets. Yeah. Is this? Oh, numbers and spreadsheets. Oh God. <laughs> Get me all hot and bothered over here. Uh, is this the best John Hughes movie? I was gonna ask that actually. Um, I do think this is peak John Hughes. I do think it's peak John Hughes. 16 Candles the year before, I don't think stood the test of time as much as this one. Ferris Bueller's Day Off is is loved, Mm -hmm. but he only wrote that one. I don't think he directed that one. Mm -hmm. Um, He also wrote Home Alone. So, like, maybe it's Home Alone. I think this is the one, like, when you think John Hughes, you think Breakfast Club. This, yeah, this spawned so much. Yeah. This has had such an impact on film and even just, I will say, society as a whole that okay. I think this one made the most impact. And so it is, I think it's his peak. Yeah. yeah. But it is his best. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm not the biggest fan of Home Alone. Definitely 16 peak, Candles is terrible. Yeah, I mean, there's Bueller's Day Off is so good, though. I've, I haven't and watched that one. I'm so. pretty sure he also wrote Vacation, National Lampoon's Vacation. I haven't watched that one either. Oh, man. So, All right. Well. Uh, we know what we're doing later this year. <laughs> okay, is this the best high school movie ever? No. What's better? I don't know, but it's not this one. <laughs> okay, is this the most famous high school movie? Um, it actually might be. Like when you think movies think about, about high school, is this the one you think of? I don't know. For you, I think it'd probably be something more like Mean Girls, I right? I think it's more like Mean Girls, but mostly And I think for it's me, like... it's clu- It's Clueless? Could be. Like, my age range, Clueless, your age range, Mean Girls? But, but each one of those of is our... based off of this. Yeah, all of 
those generations know of this movie. Right. Like, I know this movie. You know this movie. Ten-year-olds today know this movie. Where it's like, there are people that were of the age for this movie that won't know Mean Girls. I think this is the pinnacle of high school movies. I I think it... As far I don't think as it's well the best, known, yeah, I don't I think, think it's, it's the, the pinnacle. best, but I think it's the most well known. Absolutely. All right, which backstory is the most believable? I know you already ranked them, but I think your ranking is absolute garbage. So I'm just going to ask you flat out: which one's the most believable? Hmm. And I mean, either the princess or the brain. I mean, in the movie though, who portrays their backstory the best? Who makes their backstory the most believable? Oh. Probably Bender, then. I think an Andrew. It's either Bender or the brain to me. Okay. I think Andrew. So, interesting. One more, or two more questions. Okay. Who had the best career out of all these actors? However you want to define that. Most well-known, had the most roles, had the most big, big budget movies, or whatever you want to do. Who do you think had the best career coming out of this? Uh, coming out of it? I'm not sure. I was going to say Molly Ringwall, but uh, she, she kind of fell off. After yeah. This. I honestly don't know. I'm terrible at actors' names. I'm going to go Judd Nelson, only because he still just pops up in things. Like, I haven't seen Emilio Estevez in a movie in years. Yeah. Anthony Michael Hall, like, he was in Halloween Ends last year, and it was terrible. He was? Yeah, he was. Oh. Um... Ali Sheedy still, like, I think does some TV work, but I, I, I don't know what she's up to. Yeah. Like I said, Judd Nelson still pops up in things, though, where I'm just like, hey, Judd Nelson. Nice. Yeah. I don't know. I think he just had the longevity. I think if we're talking, like, who hit the the, the peak, who got the most famous, it's Emilio Estevez. That's fair. After Mighty Ducks, he, he, was... he had all the yeah. power. People loved him after that. It's fair. Molly Ringwald, I think, like, this was the beginning of her downfall. Yeah, this was probably her peak. Yeah. Either that or 16 Candles, but I honestly think it might have been It's definitely this. this. Yeah. It's definitely this. Uh, last one, remake, sequel, or TV show? Which one do you want if you, had, if, you, if you had to have one? I would do a remake that's, uh, well, a sequel that's a remake, basically. No, no, can't do that. Remake, direct sequel, TV show. And when I say TV show, I mean like a miniseries, not a yeah. TV show. sequel yeah i think so i think so too i think it'd be interesting to see these characters where they ended up like and i don't think you have to keep them all together i think if anything andrew and allison should probably be the ones that are still together bender and claire aren't oh yeah and somehow like they come together because their kids all have saturday detention i I don't know yeah i don't know i think a sequel is something i would probably watch I think we've seen remakes of this. Like oh, we yeah. just mentioned Clueless and yeah. Mean Girls and stuff like well, that. Not direct remakes, but close enough of that high school experience. And I don't think Saturday Detention would work nowadays. Yeah. And I don't think a movie about Saturday Detention would work. So I mean, you basically did a version of this in uh, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, where it had that very uh, feel to it, basically. Yeah. Well, for the first like 10 minutes until they get in the game. Then it's completely different. Yeah. So yeah, I think I agree with you. Sequel, kind of cool. Yeah. You got any questions or anything? You want to wrap anything else before we get to our awards? No, I'm ready for the awards. Let's do this. Yeah. All right, let's start with our psycho shower scene. Yeah. Which is your most iconic scene, the, the scene you remember the most out of this movie. It is the adding more detention scene. Yeah. 
Yeah, okay. actually, because I I think there's such great subtle acting in that scene, especially with Judd Nelson. Yeah. Well, that's why we did it up top. Great scene. Yeah, where it's just you see him not wanting it, but not being able to back down either. So. Right, because he's got that that image. Yep. Can't break that. Yeah. So that's my psycho that scene. Great, great moment. What's yours? The airborne ranger scene where Bender sacrifices himself. Yes. Uh, first of all, I will randomly break into, I want to be an airborne ranger. I want to live a life of danger. <laughs> randomly. And it's from yeah. this movie because I've never heard that anywhere else. Yeah. It's an actual song, I think. Really? Yeah. Hmm. I don't know. But I always sing it the way he sings it in yeah. this movie. Do it all the time. It's so ingrained in my head. But I also think it's the turning point in this movie when he sacrifices himself Mm -hmm. up to that point we get like hints of them wanting to be friends and talk and all that but then they immediately go back to butting heads everybody but after that moment all of a sudden it's like oh everybody's wall is breaking and they're gonna Mm -hmm. start connecting getting to know each other and becoming a group and this is what sets that off and it's like a great moment especially when he gets bender and shoves him into the locker right after like that whole sequence is just so good. I actually really enjoy the sequence, right? Like the, what makes him decide to go. Yeah. He's staring at Claire. Claire. Yeah. Only Claire. Because he doesn't want Claire to get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Because as much as he wants to bully and pretend, he would love to be part of that popular group. And yeah. this, him sacrificing himself means everything in this movie. It's oh, the, yeah. it's the 100% the turning point of this film. Because right before that is the stupid Scooby-Doo-esque running away from him. Yeah. Which is what breaks my suspension of disbelief. And then him sacrificing himself immediately gets me back on board. Yeah. So that's that's the scene for me. Wonderful. Next up we have... Life uh, finds a way. Your most iconic line. Mess with the bull, you get the horns. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Why? Why? Because it's the line everyone quotes from this movie. Yeah, it's fair. It's 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 beyond this movie now. Everyone's like, you mess with the bull, you get the horns. Yeah, that's fair. So, what about you? Mine, I, so, I had two. Ah. But I only went with one. Okay. But I'm going to throw, throw out my honorable mention. Okay. And I didn't pick it because it's more of a monologue mm-hmm. than a line. And it's Bender's retelling of his home life. Because mm, yeah. Judd Nelson is hair-raising, tingly sensation good in mm-hmm. that moment. And uh, just, it's great. But I went with something else. Okay. And it's the end narration. Not the entire thing. Just the moment where they all say what they were. I think that is so iconic. Not only just for the movie, mm-hmm. but people can relate to that. Yeah. People, like I said, you can put yourself into one of those categories and you can feel it. And yeah. watching the whole movie and getting to that point, getting the narration at the beginning where Brian says them all, then getting the narration at the end where they each say their own mm-hmm. is the epitome of the movie. It encapsulates the entire movie in five sentences. Yeah. So that's my line. And not even five sentences, like 10 words, mm-hmm. a brain, a jock, a basket case, a princess, and a criminal. 11 words. Yeah. That's the whole movie. So good. So that's my that's, that's my Life of Finds a Way award. That's great. Han shot first. Uh, b- what holds up the worst? Bender putting his head in between Claire's legs. 
I, I literally I, couldn't watch it this time. I had a feeling you were going to say that, and I wrote it down anyway. I wrote the sexual assault. Let's just call it what it is. It's sexual yeah. assault. Yeah. Yeah. I, I couldn't watch it. Moving because, on. So I was just like, no. Moving on. I don't even want to talk about it. We already did. And our last award of the evening goes to uh, the Paul Rudd Award for the thing that held up the best in this movie. For me, it's the dancing scene. <laughs> I feel like people still do those Wait, kind of dance moves. Which part of the dance, though? Like the whole thing? The whole thing. Okay, okay. Like, Because I love when the men are just like doing the... the, the... Yes! <laughs> it's so good. I love it. I love it. And then the girls doing the like The twist, twist. basically, yeah. 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 It's okay. That whole scene of like, this is what people that are like just becoming friends would kind of do. Being like, we're going to be dumb and we're going to be dumb together. And I'm pretty sure they're high as hell at that point. Yeah. So it's even better. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the thing that holds up, holds up the best for me, mm -hmm. they're believable teenagers. Not not physically. Yeah. You know, but the way they speak, the way they interact with each other, mm -hmm. it, totally believable. Yeah. And that holds up really well for me. Watching this again, I was like, oh God, okay. We're going back to 1985 high school. This is going to sound awful. It's going to be awful. And then they start talking and I'm like, that's surprisingly exactly how i think teenagers kind of talk today still a yeah. little bit different well different slang yeah different slang but the the, yeah. the way they say things how they interact with each other it all still feels like that's what it is today yeah i mean that's how it was in the year 2000 when i started high school and that was 15 years later and it still worked yeah and i still think it works 22 years later 23 years later now i don't know it's crazy but oh yeah that's what holds up the best for me it's all great. right let's finish this yep final thoughts I decision love this movie when I just Ugh. get to watch it. You say that all the time. I do. Well, you're always, I, every movie, you're like, I love this movie, but. But. <laughs> this, this is a great movie to watch if you're able to just turn your brain off and watch it. But having to look at this critically and thinking, would this have been made today? Like, would it be accepted today? No. Okay. And. The story is wonderful. The story is there. Everything about that is there. It's just everything that they put in between, like a lot of their jokes, a lot of their sayings. It just, it's not something that would pass today. And I can't let it go with those kind of things. Like yeah. if it's one or two instances, okay, I kind of get it. But it was throughout the entire movie that it just kept going. Yeah, that's fair. So. All I, right. So decision. Um, break, it breaks my heart. It doesn't hold up. Okay. I'm going to disagree. Okay. Uh, I think the movie does hold up. Kind of. Right? <laughs> See, so yep. It, it does hold up for me. Okay. I, I think it could be an important movie to watch mm -hmm. for kids, for, for you know, pre-teens, yeah. becoming a teenager or early teens. This could be an important movie to watch. You can learn some really good stuff from this. Oh, yeah. I think edit out those moments. Edit out the, the language the the slurs mm -hmm. edit out the assault edit out i think that's just like the only things that really don't hold up for me are those kind of things and if you just pull those it's a really good movie still that has really good moments and some lessons you can take and you can learn along the way about acceptance and yeah. not judging people and all that so for that like i'm not gonna condemn the entire movie for what a what a, what equates to a minute and a half, two minutes of runtime, adding all those things up, and that's why I'm gonna have to say it holds up. I have to look at the movie as a whole, 
And I unfortunately, understand. those I things would get it canceled today. I, well, those wouldn't exist today. Wow. It, right in this movie, the, the, in 2023, you would never add those things. Exactly. So, but the rest of it, I think, holds up. And I think oh, if, yeah. we're, if we're weighing it, it's like 95% holds up, 5% doesn't. So, I got to swing it. Cool. Yeah. Good episode. Good movie. Had a lot of fun watching this one again because it's not at all how I remember it. <laughs> at all. Wow. I Literally, from the moment we started the movie and the narration started, I was like, wait a minute. Did we actually start at the end of the movie? Because I completely forgot that it happened. I did too. And then the whole like teacher yelling at Bender happens in the first 10 minutes. And I was like, wait, I thought this happened like halfway through. This movie was a complete mind trip to watch again after so many years of not seeing it and mm-hmm. only seeing like bits and pieces of it. So good time. I remember this movie fairly well. I, it was pretty run of the mill to me yeah. watching it, but it was still very eye opening watching it with a critical eye versus just yeah. a, I'm going to watch this to enjoy it. Absolutely. So a neat right. experience for that. That's, uh, <laughs> that's the end of our Breakfast Club episode. Mm-hmm. This Friday... Come join us on YouTube. You're going to get our bi-weekly special episode. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have a lot of fun with this one. It's going to be a little bit more serious. Not as much of... We're going to have a little fun, but it's a little more serious. We're going to talk about high school cliques. Where in this movies. movie kind of started it all. Or, you know, movies in this generation kind of started that whole idea of separating people into groups. Yeah. In movies. And do high school cliques still work? In movies. And did they ever work? Yeah. We're going to kind of do an essay style video. A video essay about that. Mm -hmm. So come join us on YouTube Friday. It'll be up early in the morning. So you guys can catch it at any time. In the meantime, come follow us on Twitter at DoesItHoldUp13. Instagram, DoesItHoldUp13. TikTok, DoesItHoldUp underscore between each word. YouTube, you can find us DoesItHoldUp. And a Facebook page, DoesItHoldUp. Let us know what you guys thought about this episode. What movies you think we should be doing in the future. You know, we always have our our calendar kind of set up, but somebody mentioned something really good and I'm like, damn, yeah, we got to cover that movie. Yeah. Let's do it. What are we doing next week? Next Wednesday. Yeah. um, For the reemergence of this movie into theaters. We're a a little ahead, but we're going to kind of get in front of it. We're going to be talking about Titanic. Yes. I don't really want to watch a three-hour movie, but I will for this podcast. I mean, we just did with uh, Avatar. Yeah. (laughs) Damn you, James Cameron. Stop making your movies so long. Seriously. Yeah. So come join (laughs) us this Friday for that special episode over on YouTube. Mm -hmm. And next Wednesday, you'll get the podcast as normal. We're going to be talking about Titanic. And until then, keep watching movies. Bye. Bye.